What I find funny about reading sacred scripture is that, especially in the Gospels, we hear stories and sayings and teachings and all these different things that Jesus does. We hear the stories, but we don't really get much in between. We don't get a lot of filled in gaps. We don't see what happens in between the stories. For example, could you imagine how awkward it must have been for Peter and James and John to walk down the mountain after this whole experience? They go up with Jesus like it's probably half a day's journey because this is a steep mountain. They climb to the top thinking they're just going to pray. Why we couldn't just stay on the ground. I don't know Jesus, but I'll follow you because you called me by name. They get up there. They start to pray. Then Jesus is transfigured and they see the glory of God shining around him. They see him in his divinity. Then two dead guys from the past pop up, Moses and Elijah. They're talking to Jesus as if Peter, James and John are not actually there. Then all of a sudden, Peter's like, hey, it's, uh, it's good to be here, Jesus. Let's, I'm going to build some tents for y'all if you want, so y'all can keep hanging out because this is really utterly terrifying, and I'll just you know, do that and step back. And St. Matthew says, as he was still speaking, God the Father shows up. While Peter is still blabbing his mouth as he always does, not because he's super brave, not because he's ha- he has something profound to say, but really because he's nervous. That's what we see elsewhere in Scripture. Jesus, you're going to be tortured and beaten and crucified and died, but you'll raise again. No, not on our watch, because I don't want to do that myself. Jesus, we're terrified, and it looks like you're walking on water, but I think it's a ghost, but somebody said it's you. So if it is you, call me out of the boat. Show me it really is you. Okay, Peter, come on. Peter tends to speak out of fear. He tends to speak not with this conviction, not with something profound, but he acts and he speaks because he's nervous. So imagine the voice of God the Father overshadowing everything, saying, Peter, hush. Be still. Be quiet. Stop talking. This is my son. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. Listen to him. It's a foreshadowing of what's to come. Because that word, listen to him, is hear him. But it demands a response. Don't just listen to the stories he's telling. Don't just try to listen in on the conversation between him and Moses and Elijah. Listen to what he's saying and then respond. Follow him. Trust him. Believe in him. You're on your way to Jerusalem for crying out loud. He's going to die. But follow him. All of that happens. Be quiet, Peter. Just be still and listen. They fall in fear. Jesus comes, taps them, and says, no, get up. Don't be afraid. Then they go back down the mountain. Could you imagine what happened next? Imagine Peter saying, hey, Jesus, what the heck was that? What just happened up there? And Jesus' answer is even funnier. He turns around and he says, shh, don't tell nobody. It's our little secret. How awkward it must have been, and yet it was so deeply profound and earth-shattering. And there's a reason the church gives us this particular gospel passage, regardless of what year it is, regardless of what cycle of the readings we're in. We're always going to hear the transfiguration on this second Sunday of Lent, because the first Sunday of Lent, we hear about the temptations. Jesus, in his humanity, going out to the desert and Satan tempting him. You've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? You must be pretty hungry. Turn those rocks into bread. Feed yourself, if you are who you say you are. Hunger is a good and authentic desire of humanity. You want all of these kingdoms? I'll give them to you. Just worship me, Satan says. 
There's nothing wrong with this desire to be known and to be validated by your peers. We see the humanity of Jesus pointing to the fact that Jesus is fully human, and then this Sunday we're reminded that he is also fully God in the flesh, transfigured before us. Nobody just walks up a hill and then the voice of God starts booming and prophets from centuries ago show up and start conversing with you, unless you're God. But those words of Jesus remain true today. Rise and don't be afraid. He's telling the apostles, when you follow me, it's going to hurt. You're going to have to sacrifice. It will be terrifying sometimes. Your humanity is going to suffer. When God calls us to ministry, when he calls us to our vocation, it is not to the exclusion of our humanity. For eight years of seminary formation, we were told over and over and over, when the bishop ordains you at your ordination, it's not like he pulls out a magic wand from his vestments, waves it over you, and then you're a totally perfect person. You lay down on the floor, the the, uh, congregation prays over you, you get up, you're vested as a priest, and you're going to leave the cathedral the same sinful person that you walked in. But you have a divine mission. You have a supernatural task. Why would we think it's any different for us today? Why would we think it's any different for us than it was for Peter or for any of the apostles? To see Jesus, yes, in his humanity, but to see him transfigured before us, recognizing that on the other side of our human temptation, our human weakness, our human sinfulness, is only glory, is only eternal bliss, is only the divine. The season of Lent reminds us of that. We strip things away in life that we don't need. We fast and we pray and we give alms, not just to check things off or to say, look what I did, come Easter Sunday. It's to allow us, even in our humanity as best we possibly can, to see that divinity, to see that relationship, that glory, and that presence of God Almighty revealed to us through the person of Jesus Christ, who so desperately, intimately wants you desires you not because you can give him anything not because of any great talent that you have but simply because you exist simply because he loves you and he pursues that but he's going to call you in order to pursue that relationship he's going to call you out of your comfort out of your preferences out of your complacency out of your home that's how it was from the very beginning We go back to the first reading tonight, and we tend to forget that Abram, before he encountered God, was a pagan like everybody else. He worshipped all these gods, these false gods, not through any fault of their own. God had not revealed himself yet. And yet, he encounters the living God. He says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I want you to leave your homeland. Trust that I'm going to bless you, and I have all these good blessings and gifts to give you. But you're going to have to leave And you're going to have to follow me and you're going to have to listen and come back to me again and again and again. And there's even a change in his name. He's not Abram anymore. He's Abraham. When we meet the living God, it has to demand a change take place in our hearts and our souls, maybe even in our physical bodies. Because the Lord wants to redeem the brokenness of our humanity. He calls you to something great, not to the exclusion of your weaknesses, your sins, your temptation, not to the exclusion of your humanity. You too get to climb Mount Tabor with the Lord and be transfigured before the world. In just a few moments, you're going to see regular bread and wine 
transformed and transfigured before you into the living body, blood, soul, and divinity of God himself, Jesus Christ. Do you love him enough to receive that, to climb that mountain, to be nervous and uncomfortable and just to stare in awe at who he is and who he calls you to be? Because the mission is not just for the priest. I hate to tell you that. But the Lord calls you in a real and very particular way. Maybe the invitation from God the Father tonight is for us, like he said to Peter, be still, be quiet, quiet the noise of day-to-day life and just listen to me. Listen to the voice of my son. Listen to the scriptures. Let the Spirit speak to you. I'm doing everything that I can to speak to you and to let you hear my voice. But as he told St. Peter, listen to Jesus. Hear him. Respond to him. Go after him. We've got a lot of work to do as the church. Lent is the perfect time to do that. Let yourself be changed. Lean into the sacred heart of our Lord, which is, yes, bruised and bleeding and broken, but on fire, transfigured, transformed. And he desires to conform your heart to his in perfection. When we lean in, give everything of ourselves to the Lord, Give him that freedom and that permission to move and to speak and to work and to heal and to do whatever he needs to do. Then we hear the voice of God the Father again say to us, You, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, my disciple, my apostle, my chosen one, the one that I'm sending out with your humanity and your mistakes so that I can divinize you, make you holy, transform you. You are my beloved one. And in you, I am so well pleased. You've been listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. If you would like to become a golden giver or learn more about what we do, please visit ctklsu.org.